When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome on in. Happy Saturday, October 7th. Whatever. I mean, if that's a holiday to you, more power to you. But uh, another post-game show here on the Wolverine.com. Uh, another Saturday, another Michigan winning Saturday. Michigan moves to 6-0 on the season after, uh, question mark, its most complete effort of the season, a 52-10 to win over the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Little Brown Jug is not going anywhere. It will return to Ann Arbor. Uh, for the foreseeable future. Anthony Broom here, of course, with Ryan Van Bergen, as I am every week, uh, as the two of us are every week. And Ryan, again, more of the same, a wire-to-wire domination. This was probably, again, talking about wire-to-wire, the best that this team has looked through four quarters. Obviously, you turn, you know, you start you start getting these, these 40 burgers, these 50 burgers, when you start turning teams over on defense and you rack up those pick sixes and, you know, from the jump tonight, this Michigan team was ready to go. Uh, this is the most physical team they've probably played so far. At least the offensive line was the biggest and maybe the most physical and, and pushed them around a little bit in the first half. But overall, Ryan, uh, another dominating effort. And, you know, this is the time of year. We, they call it separation Saturdays. You start to kind of round into what you're going to look like. And this Michigan football team looks like a national title contender and still looks like the best team in the Big Ten. I think you're seeing the improvement week to week. And that's something that when we had these first three preseason air quote games that we had, we weren't sure if we were seeing any improvement because we weren't seeing big disparities on the scoreboard, uh, huge explosive numbers in the stats column. But I mean, two road wins in a row back to back and going into Minnesota in a night game environment. And like you said, playing four good quarters of football where there's some things that we needed to clean up. Sure. But I think we made some really good halftime adjustments to attack them in ways that they, I mean, you got to give PJ Fleck and their staff some credit. I think they came out with their best game plan and executed it probably the best that they could minus the turnovers, uh, especially the one early, but they were just outmatched. I mean, Michigan, I think showed tonight more than anything that at all 11 positions and even their backups uh, were solid. And we've got more depth than we've ever had. I thought you saw that a lot more this week on display, especially when it came to the defensive line. On defense, we finally have everybody healthy. So you can kind of see what the mechanism is like when you have all personnel units ready to roll. And, uh, you know, this this is what you want to see. We could be easily be sitting here tonight talking about, oh, my God, how did we escape that? Thank God. You know, we're we could be that team, but that's not what this team is. And they just seem to get better week in, week out. And they've just shown that sign of maturity that you were hoping to see. So things are getting pretty exciting as we get midway through the season. 
Christmas machine gets on the board 12 seconds into the game on a Will Johnson 36-yard interception return. They would later go up 10-0 after a James Turner 31-yard field goal. Minnesota would, would get a 54-yard field goal. Uh, towards the end of the first quarter, Michigan would lead 10-3. Uh, Michigan would then score the next two touchdowns of the game on a Blake Corum one-yard rush, and then a couple drives later, a J.J. McCarthy five-yard rush. We'll talk about his, both of their days here soon. Uh, to go up 24 to three. And then right before the half, uh, Minnesota gets on the board with a 35 yard touchdown pass from Ethan Kaliak Manis points to me for getting that name right on the first try uh, a 35 yard uh, touchdown throw to uh, Jackson. Uh, so they go in the locker room up 24 to 10. And then this is where Michigan hits, you know, the foot hit the accelerator. Like we've seen so much from this team over the last two years, JJ McCarthy gets on the board with a seven yard touchdown rush to go up 31 to 10 Colston Loveland, a 25 or 24 yard touchdown catch from JJ McCarthy to put them up 38 to 10 uh, with three twenty left to go in the third quarter. And then the very next possession, I believe it was Keon Saab, his first career pick six, a 28 yard interception return. Michigan would lead 45 to 10 after three quarters. And then Leon Franklin, a two yard rush in the fourth quarter to put the score at 52 to 10 and that's where it would end. So we'll talk about the offense. We will talk about the defense. We will take your questions as we do every single week. A lot to sift through and a lot to discuss. But uh, first, we would be remiss if we did not shout out uh, our presenting sponsor here on uh, the Michigan, uh, the Wolverine.com's Michigan podcast. And of course, we're doing this live and I didn't have my live read pulled up. So let me stall until it's ready. My perfect franchise, uh, our buddies over there. Are you a displaced corporate executive or wanting to put your career in your own hands? Or are you an experienced entrepreneur wanting to diversify? Well, our friend Andy Ludicky can help. Andy is a huge college sports fan who I'm sure enjoyed the Saturday slate. It was a really good slate of games. Uh, and Andy has owned multiple franchises and businesses. Using his expertise, he helps others find their American dream through a very thorough consultation and evaluation process. So call Andy today, put your life and your career in your own hands. And best of all, this is the best news of the night. Honestly, outside of the Michigan win, his services are 100% free to you. So what do you have to lose? Uh, Andy's a great dude. As we've said before, we've been on meetings with him. He's a passionate guy. He's going to get you pointed in the right direction. So head on over to myperfectfranchise.net, or you can contact him over at 404-973-9901. And again, head on over to myperfectfranchise.net. So offensively, uh, there were some issues early on, uh, a little bit of a flat start, but we'll start with J.J. McCarthy, another game where, again, on the stat sheet, it doesn't look, again, no one's going to put him in the Heisman race after the night he had, but 14 for 20, 219 yards, one touchdown, no picks, no turnovers. Uh, he had the four rushes for 17 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Again, looks as decisive a runner uh, as we've seen from him in his career. Uh, JJ right now is is just kind of feeling it, and he's so comfortable being the maestro of this offense. He is, and <clears throat> I think that he's still figuring out what more he can bring to this offense because he's got so many tools in the bag, and, and his ability to – move with the football, to move in the pocket and keep his eyes downfield, to make decisions of when to take his eyes from downfield and go get his yardage, uh, I feel like has gotten better. I don't – I've always been 
a little bit skeptical, critical of some of our zone read looks because I feel like sometimes JJ it's not a truly reading the defensive end or the last guy on the line of scrimmage. I think it's a designated give or a designated pull. And I think he's finally given the freedom to be able to make those decisions on his own. He's making all the right calls. You know, that's one of the things that if you have that at your disposal, you want a quarterback that can make those things in real time and make judgment decisions. And the issue that you run into is these guys, you know, you only get so long with them, especially now with how the NCAA is with transfer portal and such that you might get a two-year, three-year guy. You don't get four or five years with a, with a quarterback anymore. So a lot of the times you have to pre uh, – pre-decide what, what the quarterback's going to do. But I feel like he has developed a relationship with Sharon Moore. I feel like he has a really good grasp of the offense. And I feel like he has a very long leash, which makes him very dangerous back there at quarterback for us. What you make of the offensive line tonight? It was another week where they rolled with Ladarius Henderson at left tackle, Carson Barnhart on the right side. And I know there were some pass protection issues in that game last week, but it really does seem like when you look at that starting five with the, the guys at tackle, obviously Keegan and Zinter are known commodities at this point. Drake Nugent, I think, has quietly played very well. It feels like they have their offensive line and you know the run game, 33 carries, 191 yards, maybe not as explosive as some people would like to see. Though a couple long runs in there, but this offensive line, I think, is starting to gel and come into its own. And I think that's what we hope we would see in these week five and week six games on the road. Cause that's been where it's come together over the last few years. Ladarius Henderson looks really comfortable. And, and I think that that solidifying him at left tackle, letting Carson Barnhart move back over to the right is where Michigan's going to be at their best. I also think Michigan will be at their best. If on first down and 10 and you see 11 guys within seven yards of the line of scrimmage, if we check to a pass or something else, instead of running right into it, that's one thing that I kept noticing from, from the first half is first and 10, they've got safeties that are seven, maybe eight yards off the line of scrimmage. You've got to, you've got to open it up a little bit and, and give these guys some room. I understand the idea of running at a full box, and if you get a guy that's unblocked, it meets your back in the hole and he happens to miss, maybe you hit a home run. But um, I like the adjustment we made in the second half. I thought that the that quorum, it doesn't matter who, because it seemed like they all got some uh, decent time. But quorum, Edwards, Mullings, whoever's getting the ball running up against an 11 man front, you're not going to, it's going to be rough sledding. So I, I, I thought that those guys did very well considering the conditions and the environment they were put them, they were put into, but uh, overall offensive line looked really good. I thought the pass protection was really solid and something you have to consider is I do agree with you that Minnesota, you mentioned earlier is one of the more physical teams and you saw how they ran the ball a little bit in the first half. And when we get to defense, we can talk about that part, but um you know, if that's how their offense plays, their defense plays against their offense every day in practice. So their defense has gotten ran at repeatedly through camp and through the weeks. So uh, this is a defense that I feel like is ready for the run. And I feel like we came out and we still executed the run decently considering how much they were keying on it. And then I thought, you know, at the receiver position, I thought um, – Aside from a drop, I thought Cornelius Johnson played really well. Roman Wilson is still the hero and stud that we all think he is and know him to be. Colston Loveland had a quiet game, but he finally came up at the end with the big one. So um, overall, offensively, I mean, I feel like we did really well. The guys played really well. I think game plan and making that change from first and 10 run to being a little bit more past tendency would have been helpful, but that's getting really nitpicky, really solid performance. And it really does feel like when you look at this run game, as as you discussed, it, it feels like we have a burgeoning 
almost three-headed monster type of thing going on here. Uh, Donovan Edwards, I think, only four carries for 20 yards. Should have had a touchdown. Thought he was in. Michigan, it seemed like, scored three times from the one-yard line on that possession early in the game. But, again, saw him run hard again. Not as many carries. I don't know if maybe he was working through something. He led the team in catches, though. Four catches for 25 yards. Uh, Blake Corum had nine rushes for 69 yards. And a touchdown and a 40-yard run that looked like, uh, I mean, just a masterful job of waiting for your blockers to get out in front of you and, and, and showing the patience that has become kind of vintage Blake Corum. And then Colel Mullings, another another great week of work. So eight rushes, 47 yards, uh, did, didn't find the end zone. But, man, oh, man, I mean, you look at the way that this run game is is kind of coming together, and it's not – you know, it's not quite as explosive as maybe the last few years, but it goes back to, you know, the comment that Joe Clapp made, I think it was last week or the week before where, you know, this team and this, just the way they play on both sides of the ball, there's kind of a boa constrictor where, you know, you get those, those backbreaking yards, you know, seven yards at a time, eight yards at a time, four yards at a time. And, you know, you're going to pop some here and there, but Right now, it just seems like everything's running super smooth, super efficient. And I thought Sharon Moore called another outstanding game tonight. Uh, he is really, another questions about him taking on that full-time role, given that he had to also coach the offensive line. But, you know, I, I really just think that, uh, you know, there was the four, uh, was it a third and one play where, you know, everyone in the building for years, you see Michigan line up on third and one and you think that, I mean, they're going to try and show how tough we are. They're running right up the middle. And that was the one where there was a play where, Khalil Mullings leaks out of the backfield and JJ just gets it to him. And it's, you know, fairly easy first down. I just feel like Sharon Moore is, is kind of in his bag right now. And when you have a quarterback that's as good as JJ McCarthy, it's easy to do that. But this offense, it's just, it's outside of that Bowling Green game. It's just been smooth operating. And, and, and we know that there's, you know, there's that next gear to still unlock with them. That's the only thing is that I agree with you in almost every respect, except for the fact that I feel like we need to continue to work in, especially the first down. I mentioned it already. The first down, even if it's a simple passing concept, but some first down passes just so people can't key so much on bringing people into the box. And I'm sure there's some element of we're waiting for the end of the season. We're in unveiling cards as we build up to the end of October, beginning of November. And there's more, uh, you know, more more bells and whistles to this offense than we're currently seeing. But those guys need reps. They they need to have their timing. So when it comes time to run those plays, they're ready. You know, and it's not like I'm in a position of complaining. I don't want that to be mistaken. But it's something to at least note. It's noteworthy that we've never been in a position where we need a receiver to really go get this ball and keep our offense on the field, where we really need to score on this possession or something bad's going to happen. You know, this team has coasted to some victories and uh, you're, you're going to get challenged here in the near future. So I hope these guys are ready to go out and secure that last game winning possession or go ahead score. And I think they are, but it's just something that makes you wonder because we're not being tested. Let me ask you this because uh, there's the old bit that, you know, Michigan is either hiding or not hiding stuff, but they wait to peel the layers back of what the offense looks like. And, you know, you see what the full playbook looks like, you know, later in the year at Penn state at Ohio state. But when you look at this team's progress through six weeks now, six football games, it's crazy to think that we're that far along already. Do you feel like this offense is ahead of where maybe these last two teams have been? Because to me, it it does feel that way. Uh, You know, you're not seeing guys like Corman Edwards break off, 
those long runs that we're used to seeing, but it does feel like that there is a pretty, pretty darn good baseline set of what these guys have mastered and what they can kind of put on their plates here moving forward. It just, and I guess that's what you would expect from a group that returned a lot of guys from the last two years, but it does just feel like right now what we're seeing them do offensively is just kind of clinical. I feel like that. Yeah. I feel like this team is right on the cusp of where they left off as they entered the Ohio state game last year. And, you know, I think we had all these questions as they entered the Ohio state game last year, is the passing game going to be dynamic enough? Do we have the playmakers out at wide receiver? That's going to be, that are going to be able to move the ball. And all those questions got answered. Cornelius Johnson shows up and has a huge game. JJ's hitting guys in stride. Uh, We're not quite to that level yet, which I would consider like an apex or a peak for this offense under the Harbaugh regime. And I think we're on our way. I think we're close. And the fact that we are that close six games into the season to me is very promising that this offense is going to be one of the best in the country paired with what I think is already it one of, if not the best defense in the country. And, you know, we were number two in the world or in the world, number two in the country for a reason, you know, so uh, in the world too, screw it. No one else is playing football. Yeah. We're number two in the world. Uh, But uh, uh, this team to me is just as good, if not better, because there's still more time before we get to that last game as what we saw as a product on the field in Columbus 2022. So, I mean, we are at the halfway point, so I guess we'll kind of break this up offense defense, but being that we're with the offense right now, over these next, again, it's next week, Indiana, the week after that, Michigan State, you'll have the bye, you'll play Purdue at home. But November is kind of where you want to see this team peak. So, you know, coming out next week against Indiana offensively, what's something that you think for Michigan can be maybe that one step better for them? I'm not giving up on Donnie Edwards. I'm not giving up on Donnie Edwards. I, I know there's been some. Uh, back and forth that you and I have had. I know there's been people who have commented in with us to, to talk about Donovan Edwards, and I have not given up on him yet. He is a weapon. He is a tool. He is unique, and he's special. It's just for whatever reason, it just isn't going for him yet. So if I had to say one thing that I'd like to see in the Indiana game, it is let's find a way to get him 15 touches. I thought that they did a good job today. If you watch today, there was quite a few different plays. I've talked about this for years, and I'm thankful that they finally added the RVB package of Edwards and Coram in the game together. Uh, I, I still think there's more to it than what we've seen so far. But I, I really want to see Donovan Edwards make a significant impact to a game because we know he's he can be a game changer. We just haven't seen it this year. And I want to see it, and I want other teams that still have to play us to see it. And looking at those pictures on screen, this is a sidebar. It, PJ Flex's face is different, right? I can't put my finger on it, but it looks like a, like a face-off type thing. I don't know. Something's weird there. It's, it's a, been that way it's a super tight tie. That's all it is. <laughs> it's yeah. I, I don't know about that. We'll uh, someone check on PJ flex. Seriously. Um, let's break here really quick uh, to talk about uh, our pal Susie Surma before we slide over to the defensive side of the ball uh, is, is now the time you should sell. The market is definitely hot for home sellers. The key is having the right agent list your home to maximize your potential earnings. Having the right realtor can change the outcome substantially. It's extremely important to have someone who will give you honest advice and provide a marketing strategy. And that's where Susie Serma comes in. Uh, She is the local expert that can help you through the process. We all have questions like, are you ready to make the move, but you're not sure where to start? Contact Susie Serma today. She will answer all those questions on preparing your home for the market. 
is my home ready to list. A great realtor can be a, def a, a difference maker. Stumbled over that for a second on how much your home sells and how quickly. Susie Surma's listing evaluation includes a marketing strategy plan. So contact her today to book an appointment. Listen, anyone who's been through the process knows that it's a big decision to sell your home. And for me personally, I know that I'd want an experience, ex experienced agent like Susie Surma on my side. So contact Susie today. Start your customized home evaluation. Call Susie at 248-767-5633 or email her at Susie at MotusRE.com. That's M-O-T-U-S-R-E.com. So thanks to Susie Serma for her partnership with the Wolverine. Ryan, let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. Another just, I mean, completely dominant effort in a lot of ways, maybe their most dominant effort of the year. Aside from that busted coverage at the end of the first half, uh, only surrendered 169 yards of total offense. Uh, Kalyuk Manis was five for 16. 52 yards, one touchdown, two picks, uh, obviously both pick sixes. The touchdown pass was from 35 yards out, so you take that out. It's really a terrible day. Uh, I mean, let's start with this pass defense. We've been waiting, and this is a group that I spotlighted uh, spotlighted coming into this game, was the, the cornerbacks, the safeties. I wanted to see guys like Will Johnson and Rod Moore knock off the rust uh, as they continue to find their stride on defense too. And Rod Moore, 12 seconds into this game, uh, picks off the Gophers and takes it to the house. Th this game was never in doubt. It's because that defense came locked in. Defense travels, and Michigan's made its trip to the Twin Cities this week. They played really well, and I think you saw, the, like I said, the, the full strength of the Michigan defense on display today. Mason Graham sitting there at the top of the tackles chart. He had an excellent game considering he has one hand that he can play with, but uh, he had an excellent game. I thought Josiah Stewart, if I'm working my way from the line back, Josiah Stewart had a really big game. I feel like he's just gotten stronger and stronger, and I think you're going to see him get more and more reps specifically when it comes into pass rush situations. Um, and the secondary, you know, I, I, I glazed right over the tackles and linebackers, but the secondary played outstanding today. I thought, I mean, like you said, aside from the busted coverage, which I believe I've made mistakes before, but I believe might be the first touchdown that the first team defense has given up all season. Maybe um, there but, was the the one in the opening drive against Rutgers. Oh yeah, they had the busted. Yeah, they had that uh, one missed tackle. So second, but even so, I mean, we had two touchdowns in this game. Uh, we've given up two touchdowns on the season. The defense is even for the year. That's pretty solid. So uh, I, I thought we played really well. There's especially when it came to pass rush, I thought we did a really good job making their quarterback uncomfortable. And that's that goes across all positions, defensive tackle, the edge guys, guys that were coming in on pressures, did a really good job getting QB pressure. Um, the one thing that you saw that at first had me just a little bit worried and concerned, especially when we have to go into Penn state and play a very physical team there at one point in the first half, they were really moving the ball well between the tackles. And that just never sits well with me as a guy who played on the line. That's something that you can't allow to happen, but, uh, kind of looking at some of the replays in game. One of the things that I saw was, you know, Kenneth Grant, uh, good, um, some of the other got Benny that were in there. There was a lot of times where the offensive lineman is moving them laterally and they just need to stick their foot in the ground and say, Nope, no more. Even though they have their gap, you're creating windows back behind you. And then all of a sudden you see Mason Graham just blow up past the center, past the fullback tackles, a running back as he's getting the exchange. And I was like, well, that's done. They're, they're not running that anymore. So um, just a stellar job. And, the, the boa constrictor euphemism is great. There's all sorts of euphemisms that I like, but to me, it's just this wet blanket. Like you might have a spark here, might have a spark there, but then Jesse Minter comes along and just 
pat, pat, pat. You have no more offense. Good night. We'll see you tomorrow. So he's just – I love Jesse Minner. I'd love to play for him. I think this defense is just as good, if not better, than some of the defenses we've had. And with, that's insane to say considering the amount of talent that has come out of Michigan in the last year or two. But uh, this defense might be the best defense under the Harbaugh regime. Crazy to think about it, too, is, you know, with the two pick sixes, two sophomores, Will Johnson, Deion Saab, Mason Graham leads the team in tackles. He's got a club on his hand. He's swinging it like Thor would swing Mjolnir. Uh, six tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, blowing up plays on his own. The, these guys are sophomores. Like, we haven't seen their best football yet. And, you know, in a guy like Graham's case or Will Johnson's case, those are two of your better players on the team, regardless of position, regardless of, of which side of the ball it's on. Um, you know, another sophomore, Ernest Hausman, is up there in tackles tonight. Five tackles, uh, half a tackle for loss. Cam Good had a nice night. Josiah Stewart, I think that's two weeks in a row where we've seen him play really strong. That's great to see. Derek Moore was up there. Uh, you know, you look at these linebackers, they don't have a ton of tackles because they're not really having a lot to clean up. Those guys up front are taking care of their business. So uh, for me, I, I want to kind of uh, hone in on Mason Graham here for a second. You know, it's hard enough to play defensive line at this level with two hands, but to do it basically with one hand and a club hand. I mean, is he, as far as sophomores go, does it get, has it been more impressive for a guy at Michigan? Certainly not in recent history, but he's got to, he's got to be up there in terms of most talented, most accomplished, most well-rounded guys through, I mean, he's played a year and a half of college football. It's insane to think about. His productivity is something that just jumps out at you. And he jumps out at you the same way that I feel like a young Alan Branch jumped out at you. He jumps out at you like a young Brandon Graham jumped out at you. And I could probably name a couple more guys, but you get the picture and where I'm going with this. The the pr productivity that he's been able to have and have consistently from you know only two years of not even two full years, one and a half years of of wearing the maize and blue. He's a special product. And I honestly don't think like you look at him and you may not be a guy that you look at and go, man, there's a specimen there, but you watch him play football and he's one of the first ones off the ball. His, his moves both in run and in pass game are quick or they're sudden, they're twitchy. And uh, he just, he, he's a pain in the ass, excuse the language kids, but he's a pain in the ass to block. And it doesn't matter Who's going against him and what advantages they may have? This guy is going to get it to the football, and he's a dog, and he's a guy I'd love to play next to and put my hand in the dirt with. So um, I, I think he's only getting started, and the, the ceiling is even higher for what we've seen from Mason Graham so far. Uh, Keon Saab's a guy I want to talk about real fast uh, because I think for me, you know, when you look at – I'll have to go back and look at it you know, on, on the replay or whatever it is, but – that touchdown at the end of the first half, I mean, that's you need safety help there. I don't know how how Keon Saab isn't a guy that's in on that play. Uh, I think there's was certainly some kind of miscommunication there. But you know, whenever whenever a guy makes a mis a young guy makes a mistake like that, I'm not so much worried about the play that happened. I'm worried about the response. And when you have a touchdown that's given up at the end of the half, that Again, I don't know that it really changed the momentum, but it gave Minnesota at least a little bit of life. You're going in the locker room down two scores instead of three. You know, go get me one back. And and Saab comes back. He he has the pick six in the third quarter. And you know, he's a guy, even when Rod Moore is fully healthy. And again, I still think he's working his way back in there. And Makari Page and, and 
and Keon Saab factors into that three-man rotation. You know, he's a guy that I think uh, we maybe, you know, some ups and downs that you would expect from a sophomore, but slowly but surely, I feel like we're watching him become a playmaker for this Michigan defense too. And, uh, you know, that what he did was impressive. Obviously, we know what Will Johnson is at this point. He's a f- former five-star recruit. He's one of the best cornerbacks in college football. But again, you just look at these sophomores on the team and not only does their pl- what you're already getting from them raise the floor of your defense, but knowing that there is that growth still to come, uh, it, it's given that we talked about what that next gear is for the Michigan offense. Is there is there a next gear for this Michigan defense? I thought they got pushed around a little bit early on. It's a big physical Minnesota offensive line, but these guys just keep handling their business. And I, I know it's not you're not going to you know, hold teams to seven points or six points every single week. But I mean, what more is there to be said about this group there? It feels like they're firing on all cylinders and still haven't really played their best football yet. The other thing that I think is notable, commendable is the amount of guys getting good, significant snaps. We're actually probably in a very unique and blessed position where we have to figure out which safeties are going to get the start and how many snaps are they all getting because they all deserve to be out there. And I think that that shows up. I don't know this for a fact, but I would think that it would show up if you're a recruit or someone considering Michigan. There's a lot of places where if you're the starting safety, you're taking 80% of the starting reps, you know, or 80% of the snaps. At Michigan, I feel like they do, excuse me, a really good job of making sure that everybody gets significant game reps, not just fourth quarter, we're up by 30, but you're going in because it's your series and it's quarter one and we need you. And we don't think there's going to be a drop off. There's an expectation by position. And I feel like you need to be that way if you want to keep your cupboard stocked when it comes to the talent and stuff that you have on your defense, because the way the transfer portal works, the way coaches are recruiting it, even though I don't think they're supposed to, you know, you show out on a game film that you got in as a sub, but then all of a sudden the rest of the season, you don't get in. Well, at Michigan, that's not going to happen. You get in and make something happen. We're going to find a way to keep you on the field as best we can. And to be honest, I feel like anyone who's been promised that as a player at Michigan is getting a fair shake. Our coaching staff is doing a tremendous job making sure these guys get significant snaps and i love the euphemism again that uh harbaugh used maybe last week but there's going to be tread on the tires when this season comes to a close for michigan and i don't know that there will be at other teams i'm not worried about the other teams but michigan when it comes time to play in november it's going to have some fresh bodies compared to i think a lot of teams around the country no you just think of early on this year where you watch players like and again this guy's special like travis hunter went healthy at colorado dude is playing 120 snaps a game and you have stars on this Michigan defense, we were playing 30 snaps a game, you know, 25 snaps a game. And you know, I was listening to the, uh, the Michigan radio pregame show, uh, you know, driving home earlier uh, before the game. And, you know, Jesse Minter made a good point where, Hey, they want to, they make it a point to where they want to be deep because if you are only getting, you know, those 30 reps in a game, 25 reps, 35 reps, whatever it is, then you have less of the bumps and bruises on Sunday and then you get to practice in full all week, which is honestly, and Ryan, you could probably speak to this more than I could. I mean, those practice reps you get during the week are almost more critical than what you get on Saturday. Uh, if you're not in the training room and you're getting, getting the full array of, you know, all these looks that you're seeing and all these reps against the Michigan offense. So for me, I think Minter continued just to do a masterful job calling that side of the ball. I think all of those guys at all three levels are handling their business and man, they're just, they're as deep as they've been there. And I know there's some, there's some questions about depth at cornerback, but 
everywhere else, uh, they go three deep, four deep. Uh, You think a defensive tackle, they go five deep there. The edge group, four deep. They have a lot of bodies they can throw at you. And the more that they continue to kind of peel this back, I think the more dangerous that they will be uh, as the year goes on. So uh, any other final thoughts on the Michigan defense before we move into questions? No, it's just nice to see the turnovers turn into points. I feel like that's one of the things that there's so many boxes to check. If you want to say they're one of the best defenses in the country, right? You have to be able to stop the run, stop the pass, get off the field on third down, get off the field on fourth down. Um, You know, you have to have, you have to create a certain turnover differential and you have to be able to score on defense. That's one of the boxes that's up there to be an elite one considered one of the best in the country. And for us to come out and have two, scores on defense this week, I think just adds to the resume that this Michigan defense is one of, if not the best in consideration, the best in the country this year. All right. That's a good place to leave it as we move into the questions and we will start with Shane Johnson. Again, the queue is we have some in the queue here, but uh, pretty wide open and a lot of time uh, to kind of hit these over the next, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes or so, but we'll start with Shane Johnson for an uh, 499 Super Chat here on the YouTube live stream. It says, in sixth gear on the way to Houston, 14 penalties on the year. That's bananas. Mason and the defense feeling like Glenn Steele in 1997. D, 40 points given up versus 50 in 97 through six games. Uh, Yeah. I think that's the other thing we didn't really touch on is that no penalties last week against Nebraska. I think, let me check the box score here. They had one in this game on Saturday night. Uh, and it was, I think it was in the third quarter or fourth quarter, whatever it was, they're playing clean football right now. And there's how impressive is that to see? Because when you play as hard as they do and through the whistle, as they do, sometimes you're going to get those flags that come out later. You know, a guy jumps and false starts or, or you know, an offsides, whatever it is, but they're playing clean football too. And that's, I think that speaks to how well coached they are. Absolutely. Uh, you watch any of the Texas-Oklahoma game today, every other play there was something yellow on the field. And it's almost all pre-snap. And that's one thing that I know Michigan emphasizes and it's shown up. And it's one of the reasons that I think it separates us from being the third, fourth, fifth best team in the country right now that we are solidified in that second position is pre-snap penalties. We have very few. I know we have very few penalties, penalties just in general. But the pre-snap penalties are killers. I mean, how many times have we had to start first and 15? Hardly ever. You know, how many times have we started first and 20 with a holding call on first down? Hardly ever. So um, some of these different things that you don't see are huge factors into the success of this Michigan program. And not seeing the penalty flags being thrown is one of those things contributing to the success. They keep playing like that. They they will be in Houston, uh, Shane, and we will be there with you. So we hope that winds up happening. Uh, a a four ninety nine super chat from Cameron Stokes uh, on that long touchdown before halftime that Minnesota got. I blame play calling. Mikey played good coverage, but they put him in a one on one situation, which I didn't understand. Ryan, do you want to take us through that uh, that sequence real quick? Again, I thought a play like that, you're looking for maybe some safety help, but uh, yeah, what did you see there right before the half? Yeah, I'm assuming we took pressure and trying to take a pressure and see if we can make them a little bit more rattled. And I mean, to be honest, if you were to take a straw poll of, hey, one of their, even though he's a very talented receiver, can't remember his name from Minnesota, but really talented receiver. But if you were to say, hey, we're going to have uh, this guy one-on-one with Mikey Sanders still, do you feel good with that? If you're a Michigan you're person, you're definitely saying, yeah, no problem. That's Mikey. 
he he can be on an island out there by himself. And give credit. I mean, the quarterback threw a terrific ball. Receiver ran a great route, made a hell of a play on a ball. And, you know, they, they got away with their, their touchdown. Uh, you know, in hindsight, should we probably have been playing two safeties high and giving help both directions? Probably. But uh, I don't hate the call to get – if it wasn't a bust and it was truly a pressure, which is what I thought it was, was a pressure, I understand the pressure call there. And, and uh, you, you live and die by your stars making plays when you need them to. And uh, Mikey Sanders still, to me, has earned plenty of grace to have given up just one deep ball in how many different attempts that he's been just snug uh, in coverage. So uh, I have no issue with the call. I have no issue with how they played. I think you just have to tip your cap and say, good job, Minnesota. Sometimes it, it, uh, as the kids say, it be like that sometimes. So uh, let's go to this one from Matthew Murphy, who says, question for you guys. Why not get Donovan Edwards reps with the backups to get some confidence? Uh, I'll start with you on that one. Well, I mean, he knows they're the backups. If you know they're the backups, don't you think Donovan Edwards knows they're the backups? <laughs> and if you're getting reps with the backups and you've been told before that, hey, we need to keep you healthy, we need to keep you fresh, and then all of a sudden they're throwing you out there in garbage time, what do you think that's going to do to this kid's confidence? I mean, personally, I would say that if I was out there with my other defensive linemen through three quarters, we got a big lead, and the rest of them stayed on the sideline, and my coach was like, Van Bergen, you're still in. I'd be like, well, why? You know, I'd be questioning it. So uh, that would be why I would think that he's not getting those reps. And I, I mean, you never know. Michigan, just like every other school, but Michigan always keeps injuries close to the vest. They don't let you know. There's a chance that Donovan Edwards, for some reason, is not 100% and we're just not aware of it. I don't think that that's the case, but it could be. And, um, you know, they did try to get him some more passing reps this game. And we were just talking earlier. I was talking about how I hope he gets a couple more carries and gets a little more featured. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, you can't continue to feed someone who who's not eating. And if he can't get something production-wise, Mullings looks hungry, and he looks fast. He doesn't look like he's just a power. They always pitch him, oh, this 6'2", 240 power back. He's got some twitch to him and some get-up to him. So um, I want Donnie Edwards to come on and, and be the guy that we think he is and we know him to be, but um, he's got to do it with the current reps he's getting or they're going to see less and less of the ball. Yeah, and he's been a guy historically who kind of needs that volume to get going. But again, Kowal Mullings is just playing better right now. And again, I, I thought that, God, it's it's almost criminal. He should have had his first touchdown tonight. I thought that, uh, you know, he was just, you know, obviously the refs called him just short of the end zone. Uh, Blake Corum steals his touchdown, so to speak. But I think the last few weeks, the last two weeks, I've seen incremental steps in the right direction. But again, yeah, I mean, you you don't just throw a guy out there just to just to throw him out there uh, late in the game. You know the offensive line is different. The um, I don't know for a guy that is already kind of coming off of you know he had an offseason knee surgery and things like that. I'm not necessarily keen on exposing him to more of more hits and things like that. He's going to have to you know make the best he can with his opportunities. And eight touches tonight. I think you if you're Michigan, you hope to. You know, ideally, maybe have him somewhere in the 12 or 13 range, but there's a third running back in the equation now, and he's playing really well. So you just you got to go with the hot hand. And right now, uh, I think that Kalel Mullings and Blake Horn are just, are just running better. So uh, we'll see what winds up happening. Another one from Cameron Stokes for you, Ryan. 
499 Super Chat. He says, Ryan, what would your pregame music be? Who would, what would you listen to? Is it fast, fast paced or smooth? So are you trying to get yourself hyped up? Or are you trying to calm yourself down? <laughs> I don't know. I think I got split personality disorder because my playlist was probably the most all over the place you could ever hear. I know the last three songs uh, before I ever went down the tunnel and they didn't change much. At least two of the three never changed, but uh, <clears throat> lose yourself. Eminem is going to be one of those three before I go down. God's going to cut you down by Johnny cash is the next one. And then something like Skrillex is the last one, just completely bananas, blow your brains out speakers up as loud as you can go. And then the helmet goes on and down the tunnel. I go. So, uh, all over the place, take your pick. You got a little old school country. You got a little bit of hip hop and R and B, and then you've got some house music. So whatever <laughs> we're feeling on that day, what does your pregame playlist look like now? pregame flip barney i love you you love me abc are you watching are you watching those dancing fruits before (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to know what is like on this side with a two-year-old and three-year-old you don't want to know what the television programs are like because (laughs) they're creating little zombies with just lights and sounds and there's no content whatsoever but your kids love it oh my goodness well football is is what we go to for that so uh let's move on to uh, let's go for to Darren talks ball to the point here uh, from Darren. He says, any concern for the amount of positive yardage that we were allowing to Minnesota on the ground early on tonight? I'll take that one. Cause I, at first, yes. And then as the game progressed, no. And the reason my concern was kind of uh, subdued is because of the way that Minnesota was blocking. And then the way Michigan responded, Michigan wasn't giving up ground and getting put on their, their asses, excuse me again, but it's late. I can't keep the cuss words out of my mouth, but they weren't getting put, put down. They, they were getting moved to the side. They were moving laterally and that was what was creating the gaps. So I feel like they came over to the sideline and Jesse Minner talked to him about, Hey guys, just stop getting washed. And this yardage is going to go away. And that's what you saw them do. And then bang, there's no more room between the tackles. So initially, yes, I don't think, this team tests you the same way Penn State is going to test you, so we're really going to find out what we're made of when we go to Happy Valley and we'll see what Penn State does trying to run the football on us. But this was a good peek into how we respond, especially when they initially started getting movement. And I feel a little bit of security in the fact that there was an adjustment made and that was no longer an element of Minnesota's offense, I would say, you know, with three, four minutes left in the first half. But one thing I would say just to add to that is – when it comes to adjustments and when it comes to needing to get your guys back to the sideline, take a deep breath, look at the iPads, look at, look at what's going on out there. I don't think that anyone in college football right now, in terms of defense, does it better than Jesse Minter does. And so when, when there are things that happen early on in the game where, you know, they, uh, another team pops a few big runs or you have a busted coverage, that stuff doesn't bother me. I mean, it's all about the response. It's all about how you come back. And, you know, when you play a 60-minute football game in conference, again, I know that Michigan right now has bigger fish to fry than a lot of these teams they're going to see in the Big Ten. But I just, over the course of 60 minutes, water's going to find its level. And Michigan's going to be the most talented team on the field more often than not. I think they're going to be the best coach team on the field. And they're going to be the team that makes the best adjustments. And I think, again, uh, you saw that in this game on Saturday night. So 
Cameron Stokes says this is the last one. Another 499 super chat says, is it fair to ask for more deep shots from JJ? It still feels like we've barely thrown the ball, uh, thrown any deep shots this year, maybe one a game at best. So Ryan, what do you think about picking and choosing your spots to throw the deep ball? I think that's kind of to the point that I was making about our first half game plan on first down specifically, how many times we ran into an eight and nine man box when we've got two receivers out there. And and part of that, to be honest, I think is a little bit of Michigan arrogance. You watch what we came out in. We've got Bredesen in there as a fullback, two tight ends. So we're in 22 personnel. <laughs> Typically for most teams, that's a goal line personnel. And even for Michigan, that's a lot of big guys on the field. And matchup-wise, you don't need – if you're a defense, you do not need – if someone's in 22 personnel, you need a corner and a safety, maybe two corners and a safety. Everybody else can be linebackers or vipers and then defensive linemen, defensive end edges. So it's a tough situation to run into. But you can negate that if you have Cornelius Johnson, Roman Wilson, you split out Colston Loveland, you get some guys on the field that make them have to cover down, and then all of a sudden the box doesn't have as many guys in it. So um, I th- that's a long way to answer your question, Cameron, but I-, I think that there's opportunities out there for him to throw the ball, but I also think that there's the book, and the book says, well, take care of the football. You can run the ball for four yards every play. Why would we throw it deep and risk a turnover? It's boring, but it wins football games, and I'm in the business of wanting to win football games regardless of the excitement level. So uh, I understand the desire. I also have the desire to see J.J. throw more deep. Do I think that it's going to help us win games that we're already winning? No, we already won those games. So um, it's going to come down to can he throw it if we need it. And I have the same concerns I think you do, but I don't think throwing it just for practice, just to throw it is going to make you ready for that moment. You're either going to be ready or you're not. Yeah. And again, I guess it depends on what your definition of the deep ball is. Uh, Pro football focus says more than 20 yards from the line of scrimmage. Uh, Michigan had at least three completions of that variety in this game. They had the 24, uh, the 24 yard touchdown, to Colston Loveland, obviously the deep shot to Cornelius Johnson. Roman William, uh, Roman Wilson had a 34-yard reception. So, again, um, they are generating big plays, but are they just, you know, gunning the ball down the field? No, but I don't think that's what this offense is, you know, built to do either. I think they'll pick and choose, and they'll take their opportunities, and they'll go from there. So uh, the queue is open. We have time for a few more. If not, we'll end with this one from Your Average Fan who says, what are your thoughts about how Michigan reloads talent going from Haskins to Corman Edwards and Hutch and Ojabo to Morris, Jalen Harold, Derek Moore, and plenty of other positions. I'll start with that. I just say like, that's what the elite programs do. You know, you, you're going to send guys to the league. You're going to have first round picks, second round picks, third round picks. You're going to have to replace guys year in and year out. And the sustainably good programs just plug new guys back in there. And that's, you know, that's the other thing, you know, we were talking about the depth of this defense earlier is that when you are able to play so many guys, we talk about all the sophomores that Michigan's playing at defense right now, you know, it gives you a chance to build that equity now to where when they get launched into bigger roles that they are going to be ready to plug those, the roles that are left behind from the guys that leave. So, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the key to all of this. That's why this is year three, you know, we're talking about, potentially winning a third straight big 10 title, making another trip to the college football playoff. And depending on who gets that requisite experience this year, 
maybe we're having these same conversations next year when that schedule looks a lot tougher. So that's the key to all of it, though, is is getting those guys, those young guys in there early on to where you set a baseline of what's to come next. The other part is I think success breeds more success. And the momentum that we have right now with back-to-back Big Ten champions, you know, I think this was game number 22 regular season, 22 consecutive regular season wins. Um, you know, you're, you've got Jordan on your jersey. You've got the most guys going in the NFL combine that have ever gone. They're talking this year that this might be the most guys any team has ever sent to the NFL draft in a, in any capacity, even back when Alabama was running two, three championships in a row. So, I mean, if you're a recruit right now and you're looking for the biggest platform possible to, to come play your college ball at, I mean, Michigan has to be at the top of the list. And the other thing that I think is different is Michigan, in my opinion, has still the factor. There's still an education that comes along with this whole sports thing. So Michigan can still boast that you're getting part of the, you know, the, the best public education that you can. You're in part of the biggest network that you can possibly be a part of. Oh, and by the way, we put the most guys in the NFL. We play the most people on defense. We do this, we do that. And, and you know, when you have those things going for you, guys are going to want to be a part of it. And so, you know, ride it while we can stay on the, the carousel of momentum as long as we can. But, um, Michigan reloads talent because we continue to get talented players exposure. And as long as we continue to get them exposure, we will continue to get new talent. We're going to take two more. The first one here from Adam Shepardson, who says, how did the offensive line look to you guys? I think we found our starting five. I thought they looked great. Again, they're doing as good as they, it's five on eight. You know, uh, Bredesen comes in and Loveland, the tight ends are there. So, you know, you're up to seven on eight, but they're doing the best that they can when they are in those positions. You know, the big run, Quorum's big run comes from, and that's something we've talked about in podcasts earlier this year, is the scheme getting changed. We saw a lot of different pulls, different guys moving. And when you pull guys, you move the gaps and make defenses have to play with discipline because if you're not disciplined, you end up with gashes. And you saw just a few of those this week, and I think there's even more to be had as we kind of get deeper into the run playbook. But um, I think we have our five. I like Ladarius Henderson. He does so much better, in my opinion, at run blocking, and he's not a liability pass blocking, so it makes no sense not to have him out there. And I like the starting five that you saw today. I think that's the group we have moving forward until you know something unforeseen changes and shakes it up. Yeah, I think that's consistently been their best look with those five guys up front. So. Uh, Cameron Stokes chiming in one last time for 499 says, I thought the officiating was weird in this game. Took the rest forever to confirm JJ's rushing touchdown when it looked very obvious. Then the ref paused. The only thing I can really say to that is that officiating is weird every week at every level of the sport. It seems like right now. Uh, I don't know. Did, did you notice anything specific about the refs this week? It just, it's, it's always an adventure one way or another with the, with, uh, whatever crew it is. It's just, I mean, you could get me going for a while here and I know we're, we're wrapping up, but watching football is starting to get almost intolerable. I mean, the, 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 the broadcast it's the amount I want to say the other day we were catching up on an old game and I can't remember what game where I was even watching, but I just wanted to see, uh, uh, I was Colorado, uh, USC. I was watching Colorado USC on, on replay. Cause I wanted to see what happened. And I did my stopwatch to see how much time is there actual football on versus how much time would I have sat in front of this TV and watched it. An hour and 25 minutes is what it took me to watch the game. The recording was four hours and 50 minutes long. 
And it's just, and it kind of goes with this question, but not quite. The amount of uh, stoppages, TV timeouts, uh, reviews, all just to squeeze another commercial or two in. And it's just, I hope we don't do any damage to the game of football. It's a sport that I love. I love watching this game, but the, the, the rhythm has been so impacted by the amount of stoppages that happen in a, each and every game. Yeah, again, I mean, it's it's almost midnight here on the East Coast. If, if I get going on this, we'll be here far past uh, our allotted time. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's always an adventure. Uh, it just feels like we're getting less football and more commercials with all these new rules and stipulations and whatnot. But I don't know. We're, we're the crazies. We're going to be there no matter what. We'll end on this one from Drew Cousineau. Uh, who uh, is looking towards the Ohio State rivalry. Of course, we always have one eye looking forward and uh, always looking at Michigan's rivals. For Michigan State this week, they didn't play, so it's the best week they've had in several weeks. So congrats to our Spartan brethren out there. But uh, Drew asks, after the Ohio State-Maryland game, how does our defensive line look against their offensive line? Ryan, I don't know how much of you saw that game, but uh, Ohio State's offensive line was terrible for most of the first three quarters of the game. Uh, yeah. I mean, they, they were going through it. Uh, Maryland has, has got some talent, but that Ohio state team uh, and all of a sudden Louisville blows out Notre Dame. All of a sudden, you know, Ryan day was puffing his chest out about how tough they were for, you know, beating a Notre Dame team that had 10 guys on the field on the last two plays of the game. I, I don't know, man. Um, that Ohio state team just feels like all bark and no bite right now. Uh, they are a, to me, a Ferrari that's trying to prove they can put a snowplow on themselves when, you know, just throw the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. That's the recipe. That's the thoroughbred. That's all you have to do. But I guess the question is about the trenches. And, and how do you feel like that team matches up with Michigan right now? I don't want to give any bulletin board material to anybody. So I'm going to try and be as politically correct as possible. But <laughs> I do not see Ohio State's offensive line having anything special or physical about it. Uh, I think that I believe Penn State goes to the Columbus next week. Uh, two weeks. Two so weeks. it's they'll be they'll be big noon when Michigan probably plays a night game at Michigan State, but we'll see. We'll know the kick time for that on Monday afternoon. But uh, that's going to let us know two things. It's going to let us know is Penn State for real. It's also going to let us know is Ohio State for real. But my inclination is that Penn State's going to go into Columbus and an underdog, and I'm not a betting man, but if I had to and bet one game this year, I think Penn State's going to go into Columbus and take them behind the woodshed, and we're going to get exposed. They're going to get exposed for what they really are, and I don't even think they're a Ferrari. I think they got Ferrari, you know, they got Ferrari stickers, and and they got some of the emblem stuff, but I think that they are a Saturn, you know, with a Yamaha engine, and I, I. I had a significant moment today where I realized that Ohio state's in trouble. And that's when I saw Ryan day and the enthusiasm with which he was celebrating when Maryland overthrows a guy that's wide open behind his secondary or Maryland mm. gets a false start on, on a third and one he's rooting so hard for the mistakes that Maryland makes because he needs them to make those mistakes in order for him to feel secure that they can get away with this victory. It was 37, 17, but that was not the way that the game went. The game was competitive and, um, I think that things are not so good in Columbus. I think that they're doing a good job keeping it pretty much under wraps, but I don't think they have any business being in the top 10 or top 15 
with the way I've seen them play, wow. especially today. Wow. Well, there you go. I think that's a good spot to end. Michigan goes to Minnesota, beats the Golden Gophers 52 to, uh, 52 to 10. Clearly, I think number one with a bullet in terms of the Big Ten right now. Uh, Georgia handled its business really for the first time this season today. So all of a sudden, after week six, we talk about separation Saturday. Michigan and Georgia looking like the two teams to beat right now, especially after Texas loses and uh, and things like that. So, But a lot of football still to play. We'll be back next week. Michigan plays a noon game against Indiana. Uh, two weeks from now, again, like we said, I think Michigan State is going to wind up still being a night game. It's not official yet. It will be official on Monday. I think it's going to be on NBC. It's going to be either 3.30 or 7.30. We'll be here after the game regardless the next two weeks. And then um, three weeks from now, a bye week. So a chance to recuperate, maybe hit the apple orchard and things like that. But we are not going to wish football season to move any faster than it already is. Can't believe we're six weeks in. But, uh, Ryan, thank you for your time. Uh, Thank you to you guys for listening either live or checking us out on the replay. Uh, Be sure to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel if you're watching live right now. Only takes a second. Uh, Leave us a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. If you're listening after the fact in the podcast feed, you can get into the Wolverine.com for premium access, access to the message board, our post-game analysis, uh, anything behind the paywall for $1 for your first month. So be sure to hop on that deal as well. For Ryan Van Bergen, uh, I'm Anthony Broom. Thank to you, thanks to you guys for jumping in with us tonight, and we will talk to you again soon.